Enlisted into the service of Jesus. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends. I hope you had a good weekend and we're back at it. Today is Monday and we're moving on in Luke's Gospel. We're still in chapter 23. Today we're going to be covering verses 26 through 31. And as is our custom, uh, let's begin our time of study by going before uh, the throne of our good God. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for your word. Uh, We're grateful for the rest and recuperation of the weekend, and we pray that you would ready our hearts for the new week. Uh, Set us on a course, Lord God, that would be consistent with your will, purpose, and plan for our lives, uh, that we would spend our moments this week well, uh, that we might recognize when we are in moments that are God-ordained encounters so that we would um, capitalize on those moments for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Father, also in our times of study, I pray that you would ready our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be receptive to your word, and we pray that would be true today as we study together. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to get going on uh, Luke 23, verses 26 through 31. As you'll remember, a good chunk of last week we spent uh, talking about Jesus before the religious leaders and then before Pilate and Herod until the decision is ultimately made, and we learned this on Friday, that Jesus would be handed over uh, for crucifixion. Um, And so today we move on into the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And this account um, introduces us to a person today um, that uh, we'll get to know a little better as we read the text. This is Luke 23, 26 through 31. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do not For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? All right, so there's a fair bit to unpack here this morning. As we get into the passage, uh, we're told that Jesus was being led away uh, from his time in front of Pilate. And now he is, in fact, uh, under full arrest and he is now sentenced to death. And he's being led away, and it says that they seized Simon from Cyrene uh, from the crowd and put him to service to carry Jesus' cross uh, behind the Lord as he's walking through Jerusalem. Um, Simon, we know, is from Cyrene, which is um, on the coast of Libya. And so he's of African Jewish descent, most likely. Uh, Cyrene was um, a place that was um, settled by the Greeks, and uh, there was a large Jewish population there. 
And so Simon was probably on his way into Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. It's perhaps in this particular part of the story he was already there, but staying outside of town and was coming into the town of Jerusalem from a country place where he was staying. Uh, It's possible he was just arriving. We don't know with certainty what uh, Luke means by he was on his way in from the country. Um, But they put the cross on Simon, and they make him carry it behind Jesus. Now, a few years ago, when Mel Gibson's movie came out, um, there's an incredibly compelling scene where Simon of Cyrene is uh, enlisted to this task, and we see um, that he is moved in his spirit every step they take as he's watching the Lord go through what he's going through. Um, And he's struggling because you get the sense that there was prior knowledge of Jesus for Simon, that he was aware of Jesus. Um, There are some Gospels that don't mention much about him. Uh, Mark mentions the most and actually names a couple of his children, his sons. One of the sons is later heralded as a Christian brother. And um, his mother is also heralded as a faithful Christian, faithful follower of the way. And so it is likely that Simon was one who became a disciple of Jesus, uh, was curious about the teachings of Jesus, and um, who later converted to being a disciple of Christ. And so there is the sense we get from uh, piecing together the gospel narratives that Simon was aware of Jesus and had uh, at least a commitment to following him as a teacher um, without perhaps maybe knowing the full picture, obviously, yet of what Jesus was doing and who Jesus truly was. But here he is in this passage, and he's carrying the cross of Jesus behind him. Now, we have the advantage of a couple of thousand years of Christian history and tradition behind us, and we know the rest of the story, and we know what Jesus was on his way to do, and we know why Jesus was doing it. And I wonder if any of us would have been enlisted to the task that Simon was given to carry the cross of Jesus behind him as he's being led to slaughter, as he's being led to his death. I know for myself that would be would have been, if I knew then what I know now and the experiences I've had with Christ and the beauty of His mercy and grace alive in my life, I would have struggled deeply to carry that cross. And I feel for Simon <laughs> because not only is he bearing the physical weight of that cross, but for that moment he's, he's helping lift some of the burden from Jesus and he's walking with the Lord toward what we knew would be his ultimate death um, in a painful, painful way. Crucifixion was, was not the clean, tidy way that we do executions in the modern world with um, injections and things like that. This was painful. This was brutal. This was excruciating. And Simon knew what Jesus was walking toward. And if, even if Simon was not deeply connected to the Jesus story. And if, if it's true that Simon barely knew him, <laughs> you have to imagine in that moment his heart would have been moved watching this man who walked quietly, enduring the abuse and enduring the punishment that was given him for doing nothing wrong as he's being led to his death. I admire Simon, 
and uh, I admire his faithfulness. I admire his willingness. Um, I admire that he was in that place at that time. And that seems an, a God-appointed encounter, doesn't it? Luke continues on by saying a large number of people followed him, and so some of his followers were sneaking out, obviously, to see what was going on and following behind at a distance, I'm sure, watching what was going on with the Lord. And Luke says, and, and that group included a number of women who were mourning and wailing for him, and Jesus turned to them and had a conversation with them. Now, it was traditional in that culture when someone was sick and dying or um, about to die uh, that there would be mourners present. I have to think that these friends were genuinely brokenhearted as they're watching the Lord being led to his death. But he says something to them. He says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. He goes on prophetically in a very strange way. He says, for the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore. Uh, and the breasts that never nursed. Then he said, they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. So he is envisioning a time of pain coming, a time of suffering coming, when people will wish that they had not brought children into this world, where they will wish that the very mountains crumble and fall on them and the hills cover them for the suffering that they're about to endure. Um, And we know that uh, there would be more pain Uh, for the Christian people as uh, Jesus' death and resurrection uh, concluded with his ascension back to the Father. Uh, The Roman government was opposed to Christianity for the better part of the first 300 years of its history. Christians were being routinely rounded up and uh, harassed and murdered, uh, punished, um, tarred and feathered. Uh, One emperor even lit them on fire to light up his gardens Uh, There was a brutal time coming, uh, but there was also more pain coming for the the, uh, first covenant people as well. And Jesus is speaking prophetically here. Um, He says, for if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when the tree is dry? And that too is a little uh, strange. It's possible that he's talking about in a time of economic and social fruitfulness, a time of uh, abundance, um, that if people are this brutal uh, when things are good, how brutal will they get when they're suffering? How brutal will they get during hard times? And uh, we can imagine all that Jesus is is getting at there. Uh, But this does paint a very interesting scene of Jesus preparing for his death, being walked to the place that he would be crucified. Simon carrying his cross, his friends following behind at a distance, some women crying and mourning what's about to happen, and Jesus then speaking forth these uh, unclear and kind of strange prophetic utterings um, as he's talking to them. Uh, but we can kind of unpack them and get the sense of what he's, what he's foretelling. And there would be trouble for those left behind who were committed to walking in the way of Jesus. And there's still trouble for those left behind, uh, committed to walking in the way of Jesus. Uh, We still face persecutions. Uh, We're not being lit on fire to light up our politicians' gardens. Um, But we do face trouble in this culture, and we do face increasing marginalization as a a religious movement, as a movement of faith. Um, People 
think that they're so smart and so brilliant and that uh, Christianity is for people who are weak and dumb and easily uh, easily tricked by mythologies and things like that. And so um, Christianity is not as well regarded as it once was in this culture. And I believe that we're moving into an era of time when that will be increasingly the case. And there will be a strong temptation even for the faithful ones to turn back and to give up on the faith, to look in the face of the details of the story and go, yeah, this doesn't always make sense. And yeah, this does seem uh, nearly impossible. And yeah, I'm not sure what I believe. (laughs) And uh, there's always that temptation to fall prey to doubt and uh, to disbelief. But we pray that the Lord would help us to take a stand. We all go through seasons of doubt. We all question but uh, we, um, we believe on the basis of faith. The author of Hebrews said that faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And so let's cling to that truth as we continue on in the Lord together. All right, my friends, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to study. I pray that as you continue to consider these words, the Lord would touch your heart with them and that you'd have a great day. God bless.